You're tuned in to the Carolina Cabinet, Eastern North Carolina's local conservative morning talk show. If common sense thinking offends you, please turn your radio off for the next 90 minutes. Welcome back to another segment of the Carolina Cabinet. And welcome back to the Carolina Cabinet. My name is Nat Robertson, and I will be your host as we discuss the news and the newsmakers. We're going to play a little bit of music, and we're going to talk to, and we're going to talk about the movers and shakers around Fayetteville, Cumberland County, the state of North Carolina, and our great country. Our mission is to bring to the airwaves a common-sense voice that's on the right side of the issues. Today in the cabinet, I've got Miss Susan Mills. Welcome, Susan. Welcome. Good morning. Our favorite pastor, Pastor Josh Goodman. Greetings and salutations, fam. <laughs> and Mr. J. Antoine Minor. Morning, governor. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Cheerio. <laughs> So uh, thanks again for uh, for joining us. Check us out on uh, all your favorite social media outlets. We are at the Carolina Cabinet. And if you miss an episode, uh, find us on a podcast. We're on Apple and Spotify and your favorite podcast broadcaster. So we appreciate you uh, joining us. And uh, hang out for a few minutes. We'll be right back. This is your announcement. Don't mess with my Second Amendment rights. And don't mess with the Carolina Cabinet, the smartest 90 minutes of morning talk radio. Since 2012, Joshua Goodman has been the senior pastor at the Cliffdale Christian Center, a dynamic church and ministry located in West Fayetteville. Join our friend Pastor Goodman for a podcast or a live sermon in person at 6427 Cliffdale Road. Now for today's good news. Here is Joshua Goodman. Good morning from the All-American City. This is Pastor Joshua Goodman, and have I got some good news for you. In a time when so many want to unpack, discuss, talk about all the circumstances, situations, problems, all the negative, I've got your good news. Friends, listen, summer is here in full force, and things are getting better and better and better. Got an email just today from Fayetteville Cumberland Arts Council, and the International Folk Festival is on this year in Festival Park. Make sure you mark your calendar September 25th and 26th. Come out there for a lot of family fun. Also, I didn't realize, but we've kicked off our fourth Fridays over the summer once again. Um, Downtown Fayetteville, where arts individuals come out. Uh, There'll be music playing and uh, things to buy, so bring the family out and have a good time one evening on those fourth Fridays. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44 says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and he hid, and for the joy over it, he goes and he sells all that he has, and he buys the field. Jesus often told many stories about the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? Is it the church? Is it our friends, our family, our community? Friends, let me tell you, uh, it's not just those, it is those things, but it's not just those things. It's bigger, it's broader, it's more important than we can understand. It's today and it is eternity. And we see in this story that a man finds the kingdom, he finds this treasure, and he goes literally and he sells everything he owns so that he can own, so that he can obtain the treasure which he had discovered. Understand that the kingdom is full of peace, strength, mercy, goodness, grace. It's full of life. So I want to encourage you today. Search out the kingdom. Find yourself a little piece of it today and live the good life that Jesus has provided through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. My friends, that is your good news for today.
Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is Pastor Josh, and it is my honor, my privilege to introduce you to Paul Vallon with Grassroots North Carolina. You say, what's Grassroots North Carolina? GRNC is a nonprofit, all-volunteer organization devoted to educating the public about trends which abridge the freedom guaranteed by our Bill of Rights. Friends, it is, like I said, it's my privilege, my honor. Paul, thank you so much uh, for being here, and thank you for all that you do. Well, thank you very much for having me, sir. Great to have you on the show. Listen, uh, tell us just a little bit about uh, GRNC. I gave a brief description, but but what do you do? What are you guys about? Well, Grassroots North Carolina is exactly what the name implies, a grassroots collection of volunteers from all walks of life who share a common concern that our constitutionally guaranteed freedoms are being eroded. Mm -hmm. Since 1994, we've become the state's primary gun rights organization, uh, as its director, I was involved in drafting and passing our original concealed handgun law. Uh, since then, GRNC has gone on to engineer passage of concealed handgun reciprocity, hmm. our purchase permit bypass, castle doctrine, stand your ground, the expansion of concealed carry into state municipal parks, restaurants, and other places. Brother, let me just stop you right there and say you are my hero because I'm, I'm, I'm a concealed exactly. carrier. I'm, I'm a carrier, you know, and, and, and uh, I know many of the things that I'm able to do is because of the work that you guys have put forth. Well, thank you. I will say, though, all the bad things in the law, we didn't do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of course not. Of course not. Now, you named some pretty big ones, Paul, um, as far as legislation that you've gotten passed uh, through our General Assembly. Go through those one more time. Well, the first project was concealed, the concealed handgun permit law. I uh, actually drafted a fair bit of that. Um, we have a concealed handgun reciprocity law that makes your uh, concealed handgun permit uh, from North Carolina good in 39 states. Okay. Um, yes, thank you. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the biggest one probably was Castle Doctrine and Stand Your Ground. Uh, the Castle mm -hmm. Doctrine um, is basically... Uh, it creates a legal presumption that if somebody forcibly and unlawfully enters your home, your motor vehicle, or your place of work, that you face a deadly threat. And so that, That's of course, reasonable. is the trigger yeah. for being able to respond with deadly force. Right. And um, we've expanded concealed carry. We've been working on it for years. Restaurants, um, municipal parks, public assemblies, a whole variety of places. But uh, we've got a lot of work I got a quick question for you, Paul. This is Jay Antoine Minor. I got a question about that castle doctrine because mm -hmm. I just had a conversation about this the other day with someone, and um, I was seen as being kind of uh, mean and uh, <laughs> like ruthless because I said if someone comes in my house, I don't care how old they are, young or old, if you break into my house and I feel that you are a threat, right. I will kill you two times. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, um, the question was, well, what about a child? Well, if that child is old enough to break into my house, mm -hmm. I, I don't have time to figure out if this child is armed or going to hurt me and my kids. My my first instinct is to uh, protect my family. So with this with this castle doctrine, um, I'm assuming that that's pretty much what it is, that I have the right as the homeowner to protect life and property within my domain. Okay, well... Here's, I'm not a lawyer, so don't take this as legal advice. But I did, I did actually write the first draft of the Castle Doctrine Law. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Bought it. Uh, I'll take your word for it. What it does is it creates a rebuttable legal presumption that you face a reasonable fear of imminent death or great bodily harm if somebody forcibly and unlawfully enters your home. The key here is, though, and I want you to remember this, that is a rebuttable legal presumption, mm -hmm. meaning that okay. it's presumed you have mm -hmm. you face a deadly threat if somebody breaks mm -hmm. into your home, but the uh, prosecution could rebut that, the, okay. that assumption. Right. And frankly, we wanted it that way because we didn't want drug dealers using it as a defense when police broke in. Ah, uh, very good. A, a, a serve a warrant. Okay. So, that's very good. Okay, so that the rebuttal part is that I, as the homeowner, uh, the presumption is that I feared for my life. There was a fear of bodily harm or injury. But if they find extenuating circumstances that would suggest that that was not the case, then they can rebut that presumption. Gotcha. 
Right. I would want, I would love to know what those extenuating circumstances <laughs> would be. <laughs> Just to say same. <laughs> and and uh, Paul, I know you're working on um, uh, lobbying efforts on a national basis as well. I guess through Congress and and the oh, Senate. What? Uh, tell me what your big projects you have going on right now. Well, it's a uh, it's a target rich environment out there under Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you don't, you don't say. You yeah, don't say. So. <laughs> um, basically, what they have done uh, overall is to create an environment, defund police, bail reform, and everything else that uh, has caused an explosion of violent crime in in the, yep. the America city. Yep. And then, of course, they're blaming you for the result. Uh, right. Because what they're doing is they're solving this problem, and I use that word in mm-hmm. quotes, um, yep. by gun control, yep. and including their national strategy, strategy for countering domestic terrorism, which doesn't mention Antifa and BLM. Hmm. Instead, it says that if you perceive government overreach, it will almost certainly drive you to be a domestic violent extremist. Hmm. <laughs> Is that right? Mm-hmm. You too can be a domestic. Well, <laughs> and I wear it proudly. There's four of us in here. So. I share extremist views. Yeah. We're really facing uh, two of them. And by the way, I will tell people how they can respond to this very simply, so that they can make their voice heard. Um, but the first threat is a notice of proposed rulemaking from the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms that would supposedly regulate ghost guns. They always have to give it a nice name, you know, that makes it sound like it's dangerous. Ghosts have guns? Yeah, apparently. Um, (laughs) Ghost guns are basically 80% lowers that people make themselves, okay? They make Hmm. their own firearm, and frankly, uh, people have been doing that since the inception of our republic. And they're referred to ghost guns because they don't have traceable numbers because there's so many... That's uh, correct. And frankly, Congress cannot regulate these guns because they don't move in interstate commerce. It's they, they, right. they torture the interstate commerce clause to try and regulate firearms. Sure. Once upon a time, Congress still understood that it couldn't regulate firearms, but that's another matter. We'll leave yeah, that for yeah. another day. It was a different Congress. <laughs> <laughs> but the, what it really does is instead of, it, it actually redefines what a receiver of a firearm is in such a way that it will create a nightmare for gun owners because now it begins to regulate not guns but parts yeah, parts. guns yep. hmm. so that if you wanted to buy a if you broke a part on your firearm and you have to replace it it's entirely plausible you will have to be shipped to a dealer you'll have to fill out a form 4473 undergo a background check and do all the other stuff for oh i don't know a bolt for your ar-15 mm-hmm. okay that you've already owned you've already used right. it's just that you're re- replacing a part on it yep so the bottom line is it's designed to create a nightmare for, you know, for gun owners. And where are we with that? Um, that is a notice of proposed rulemaking that this, by the way, is being done by executive fiat. It's not a, a legislation uh, uh. because Joe Biden can't get enough votes for legislation. So instead, he's trying to do this all by fiat. Mm-hmm. Uh, the notice of proposed rulemaking, uh, the comment period ends August 19th. And so if people want to comment, I'll say it right now, but I'll say it later, too. Go to grnc.org, like Grassroots North Carolina, grnc.org, and right on our home page, there are three links that you can comment on this notice of proposed rulemaking. The other one, which supposedly regulates AR-15 pistols and stabilizing braces, but would actually make criminals out of millions of gun owners, because quite frankly, nobody could figure out what's legal and mm-hmm. what's not. Yeah, yeah. And so they can comment on that one as well. I think that one closes in September. And then the third major threat is David Chipman. That would be Joe Biden's uh, nominee to head the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, a man whose own ATF people call a vicious partisan. Hmm. Okay? This guy has lobbied for gun control from four gun control organizations, including Americans for Responsible Solutions, Courage to Fight Gun Violence, the Law Center to Prevent Gun Violence, and... Michael Bloomberg's favorite, Every Town for Gun Safety. This guy... <laughs> well, of Bloomberg's oh, yeah, well, <laughs> no, gun, no guns and no big sodas. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, there you go. That's right. Mr. Big Gulp himself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, um, uh, when pressed during the confirmation hearing, David Chipman 
uh, said he wanted to ban assault weapons, but wouldn't define what they were. So they pressed him a little further. I think it was Senator Tom Cotton that pressed him. And as it turns out, what he wants to ban is every semi-automatic rifle that has a detachable magazine. So <laughs> your wow. others, wow. BAR that he goes hunting with, nope, that's banned. Yeah. Okay, A whole bunch of firearms, common hunting firearms, would be banned mm -hmm. uh, if David Chipman gets his way. Now, everybody goes, well, yeah, but he's just a, th th he said this. I'm just a cop. I don't get to make the law. Well, not exactly, because as you have just seen, they put out these notices of proposed rulemaking, and they change the law in a heartbeat without doing legislation. So wow. this guy needs to be stopped. Yeah. Wow. So, so they, it, it, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. They're not really trying to ban assault weapons, because in my brain, an assault weapon is any weapon that you can assault someone with. So then my kitchen butcher knife set would then be banned because when I cut my finger, I felt yeah. assaulted. So, I, I mean, it's like we're picking and choosing yeah, yeah. which assault weapons we're banning. Yeah. And um, it, it, they're, they're going after those weapons that are designed to keep the American people not just safe uh, from criminals, but safe from a tyrannic government. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what really concerns me is that, that you know, and that goes to um, a question that I have um, with the, when people think about the second amendment, I hear a lot of people say that the second amendment only of, is, is only for the military and militias not because of language and it's not for private citizens. Can you talk to us about that? Otherwise, in two Supreme Court decisions, Heller and McDonald, so mm -hmm. that that uh, that argument is long since out the window. Hmm. Okay. Can you go a little more in, into detail uh, on that for yeah. me? When was that? Uh, Absolutely. Um, the court decision. U.S. Uh, D.C. versus Heller was uh, roughly 10 years ago. And uh, McDonald versus Chicago was shortly thereafter. Basically, the Supreme Court ruled um, that the collective right argument that uh, the gun control activists were claiming that, uh, that the Second Amendment only referred to a collective right of states to form militias, nonsense. Uh, the Supreme Court ruled that the Second Amendment does, in fact, affirm an individual right to keep and bear arms. And then in McDonald's, they, that, they incorporated it, essentially meaning that although the first lawsuit was against the District of Columbia, which is a federal property, not, not mm -hmm. uh, a state, right. uh, in McDonald's they made sure that it applied to states as well as the federal government. Uh, so they established a right to, to keep arms within the home that was an individual right. On that assault weapon thing, let me tell you something about assault weapon. Assault weapon is a fabrication this is something that gun control activists came up with in the 1980s. There's actually a memo from a guy named Josh Sugarman who ran the Coalition to Stop Gun Violence. And the reason they coined that phrase is they wanted to make it sound like assault rifle, which is actually a fully automatic weapon. And they actually said anything that looks like a machine gun is assumed to be a machine gun by the public, and we can only increase chances for restrictions on these weapons. So this is a big dodge. It's a big feint to try and convince that the American public that these things are machine guns, which, of course, they are not. A, a semi-automatic firearm fires one bullet per depression of the right. trigger, just yep. like any other hunting firearm. Right. So mm. um, assault weapon, I, I prefer not even to use that word because, quite frankly, it's just a fabrication. And gotcha. what about what about Paul? Because uh, uh, and a friend of mine told me I don't know, and you may, but like AR, it, what does that? What is that an assault? That's not then an assault rifle, I guess, oh, right? It's an Armalite rifle, actually. Really? Eugene Stoner, when he uh, originally designed the uh, firearm, uh, sold the patents to Armalite, and Armalite was manufacturing guns originally for the military that became the M16. But the AR-15 was the original one, was the AR-10, but it's Armalite rifle. So that's what the AR stands for, Armalite. Well, Armalite, not, not assault rifle. Mm -hmm. Correct. How deceptive they are. How yeah, deceptive. Exactly. <laughs> hey, uh, Paul, I want to reintroduce everybody here in the studio for those that are just joining us uh, on the radio or on the podcast or Facebook Live. So uh, in the studio with us, we've got Miss Susan Mills. Welcome, Susan. Thank you. Thank you. Pastor Joshua Goodman. Thank you, sir. And J. Antoine Minor. Yeah, yeah, my good man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. On the vote is Mr. Paul Vallone. He is the um, 
Executive Director? What's your, what's your title with Grassroots North Carolina, Paul? Grassroots is president with our C3 nonprofit, Rights Watch. It's uh, Executive Director, so take your pick. Okay, all right. <laughs> uh, grassroots North Carolina, and it's uh, grnc.org, correct? That's correct, grnc.org. And I recommend people go there to click on the three links that we have so they can make their voice heard on these two proposals from the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and Biden's nominee for to head the ATF, who is a vicious partisan. Now, what about, Paul, uh, that, that's on the national level. Is there anything that we should know um, here more locally in North Carolina? Absolutely. Um, I'm happy to say that we have been able to advance. Uh, our, our political environment here is considerably friendlier than it is. <laughs> you don't say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For now. You're here. <laughs> the exception of the governor's mansion, of yeah, course. Yeah. Um, but... We have been able to pass Senate Bill 43, um, which will uh, expand concealed carry into churches. Now, concealed carry is already legal in churches unless they sponsor a school, in which case it becomes educational property where possession of a firearm is a felony, big time. Um, So Senate Bill 43 would allow concealed carry in churches, which, of course, are now being targeted increasingly by violent sociopaths. Mm -hmm. I can name any number of church shootings recently, and it would allow concealed carry outside the hours of the school, uh, the curricular or extracurricular activities of the school. Um, The good news is we got it through the General Assembly. Both chambers passed it. The bad news is that Roy Cooper, of course, vetoed it. So now we have to override his veto. And although we had enough votes to override the veto the first time, some of them are Democrats. And Democrats are going to be pressured hard yeah. not to go against their own governor. Mm-hmm. And one of those Democrats, if I'm not mistaken, happens to be a Cumberland County Democrat. Who would uh, that be? That would be Kurt Devier. So, so we need everybody out there needs to get on him, call go. his office, do send emails. I'll be in Raleigh We've next got week. to get him to stand firm on this and to stay with the Republicans. Yeah, yeah, Devio. You've got a computer in front of you to pull up his phone number at the General Assembly right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Susan is looking well, that I'm, up. I'm looking that up. Can we have a moment, speak. please? Yeah. And Paul, so, because I, I, I am a pastor and we, we do have a school at our church. Mm-hmm. Um, how how does that, so, so currently what you're saying is uh, if an individual, whether they're a part of my security team or not, if they uh, conceal carry in my sanctuary on a Sunday morning, that that could be a felony charge. That is a correct statement. Oh, my goodness. Now, are they uh, – because I'm trying to make sure I heard this correctly. I know we only have a little bit of time. If there's no school attached to the to the sanctuary or to the church – They can't carry. They can carry. Right. Oh, because I was about to tell a lot of pastors, y'all going to jail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to tell them, but uh, y'all say Jesus If saved. you want to see something insane, you need to watch that General Assembly argument. When that, when that bill was introduced, yeah. it, it will drive you crazy. <laughs> the argument against the bill is just so far left. It is it's absolutely insane. As that, if, as that if is crazy. Everybody was from Asheville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From, from Asheville. All right, get your pen and pencil out or your paper and pencil Tell out. Tell us, right Susan. Right. The All teacher right. is in the building. Susan Attention. Call. <laughs> Senator Kurt Devier. The phone number is 919-733-5776. Call it now. Right now. Paul, we've got about two minutes left. Tell us what we need to know. Well, basically, uh, we need you to get to grnc.org and, uh, first and foremost, oppose these three things. You can do it in about two minutes. We've got links set up. We've got copy and paste stuff. Uh, we make alerts very easy for people to, uh, to respond to. I also encourage people on the same page to sign up for our legislative alerts. We do not require membership. We'd love to have your money, but we would rather have your help first in making sure that we preserve our Second Amendment freedoms. So... And how do how would someone who actually wants to become a member of GRNC, how would they do that? What's the cost of it? Once again, go to grnc.org, and right up at the top, there's a, uh, a place uh, where it drop down uh, menu for joining, and uh, we will process your membership um, as promptly as volunteers can. I mean, <laughs> they work for uh, organizations, <laughs> but we, we, we can be a little slow sometimes, but... Uh, but uh, the advantage of being an all-volunteer organization is that unlike the NRA and Wayne LaPierre, we don't, they don't pay me $1.1 million yeah. a year. 
Gotcha. Yeah, right. Exactly. Listen, Paul, thank you so much for joining us on the phone. Is Paul Valone. He is the, uh, I'm going to call you an executive director of the Grassroots North Carolina uh, nonprofit, and he can be looked up and reached and researched at grnc.org. Paul, thank you again so thank much you. for thank joining you, sir. us. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, folks. I appreciate you having me. Definitely. A conservative local radio talk show that you're not afraid to tell your friends about. The Carolina Cabinet, land of the free thinkers and talk show of the brave. Welcome back to the Carolina Cabinet. My name is Nat Robertson. I am fortunate to be your host. Yeah. The hostess with the mostest. (laughs) In the studio, we have Miss Susan Mills. Good morning. Pastor Josh Goodman. Hello, hello. And J. Antoine Minor. Yeah, yeah, my good man. Archbishop of Canterbury. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) So, uh... Wow, that was cool. Wow, wow what? A, I mean, yeah, just a great conversation with Paul. I, I, I mean, guys. Okay, so I, I'm a concealed carrier. You know, I, I got my permit. Me too. Legal. I'm right. I'm, I'm good to go. Right. Um, but the level of effort, work, also a sacrifice that this guy has put mm-hmm. forth for us, for us. Right. Yeah. You know, I, and exactly. I didn't realize this guy's been. He's been. He's been like monumental. In me being able to conceal carry outside of North Carolina, the reciprocity laws. And we didn't and, even know. I, and, I didn't, I, and I'm, I'm like, man, I, I, I mean, truly, I am thankful. The Castle Law, it, it, me being able to um, defend my own home, and this is a guy who has made so many of those things possible. Let me just once again encourage you. Listen, uh, go on grnc.org, get signed up, be a part, um, because this is a guy who's fighting for the rights that the privileges that we that we currently have. And Nat, you were saying something about the, the YouTube video for the G, right. the General Assembly. What, what, what was so, going on there? So the same day that they met for that, they were doing something with the schools. And uh, my, my wife is an administrator, and she pulled me in to watch this uh, argument at the General Assembly. And I continued to watch. And so this bill gets introduced, and I don't know 
what these people think. <laughs> I mean, it is the craziest conversations that they are having and the questions about the bill, which is, is pretty straightforward. It says, look, if you have a school attached to the church, yeah. the law does not allow you to carry guns. Yeah. Yeah. If you have the church by itself, you're, you're okay. fine. Yep. But as soon as that school is attached, doesn't matter. The school's not in session yeah. on Sundays. Yeah, doesn't mm. matter. Doesn't matter. It yep. still makes you a criminal. Yeah, um, and just the arguments on the other side. I'm going. Think, and, and you got to consider the day. I mean, there are no crazy clue. people out there, right? Oh, there are psychopaths. You know? Absolutely. And especially for our private schools, you know. Uh, I mean, goodness sake, who? Uh, what would take place if if an individual came into a, a private school? Right. You know. Um, I mean, the tragedy could be could be so. And maybe I I don't know the answer, yep. but a church has a Sunday school, yeah, but no academic school, yeah. Does that mean they're in violation? What, what, yeah, if, what what classifies yeah, it? Yeah, so, so that that I don't know, and I really wasn't. You know, yeah. I watched the thing probably for forty five minutes, but yeah. I wasn't that tuned in with the different aspects of it. So, I mean, does that mean because right now I'll bet you seventy percent of the churches that I know yes. have security teams, yes, yeah, and those security teams have yep. concealed sidearms and, and a lot of them have schools, right? And so, I mean. That's a, yeah, that is an imperative one, uh, you know, where where uh, if an individual were to break in, how is a school, especially a private school, because I know in the, the public sector they have sheriffs. Right. Um, but in a private school, it makes it illegal for them to even, you know, defend themselves right. and defend the children. Well, and it's funny because one of the one of the folks uh, on the floor that got up to speak against this bill um, admitted that they carry yeah. Yeah. during church yeah. and there's a yeah. school on the ground. Yeah. yeah. But he was speaking against it. And Which I'm is going, crazy. That just doesn't, it it just doesn't, doesn't yeah, make doesn't sense. Make, unless it, maybe they want it to be a law that we actually just don't enforce again, just to have another well, law. Well, that's exactly you know, what it sounds that, like. You know, uh, you know, well, uh, I we got can a lot say of this. As a teacher, mm-hmm. I wish we could carry. Yes. Because you've mentioned the fact that, you know, we have SROs. Yep. Well, the county that I'm in, we don't have a dedicated SRO to our oh, wow. high school. We have to share that with yeah. several other schools. And response time is not exactly. always So right. if yeah. something were to go happen, right. to go on, what, yeah. you know, it, he's got to get there yep. if he's not on campus. So I wish that we could. That's Yeah, yeah. I agree. I think uh, educators should be armed. Uh or at least have the option, option. Right. I agree. Exactly. You know, I agree. To, to be on because if there is an active shooter situation in that school facility, yep. it is it is those educators and those, that staff and faculty that's on site yes. right. that those are your first yep. responders. Exactly. I mean, I know we, we have law enforcement, but they are they're really the ones who come after by the time yeah. they get there the active most of the time by the time they get there the shooting has already he has he's done. already done what exactly. he came to do right. yeah. and so but if you have armed administrators armed and trained yep. uh, educators in the classroom and I think you brought up a great understand friends when we're talking about this we're, we're talking about individuals who have been trained we're right. just right. talking Absolutely. about individuals mm-hmm. off the street right. Right. no white herbs out there yeah and just consider I mean in, in that case a teacher uh, who is trained mm-hmm. and does have concealed carry, and one that doesn't. The one that does has the ability to protect their children, right? Versus the one that exactly. doesn't. They just huddle in the corner and and, and know, hope that yeah, nobody comes hope, in the door. Yeah, and hope, hope for the best. Now, you know, of course, our men and women in in blue or or gray or brown or whatever color the uniform is uh, that has to respond to that. We owe just a great deal of gratitude. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, so we're not discounting their professional abilities by any means, but we're saying, you know, there's, there, there's some resources maybe that we can offer them. But I think many of our law enforcement, uh, officers and agencies would even back something like that because it helps them. I agree. You know, they don't want to run into a school where it, it's taken them three minutes to get to them within right. that three yes. minutes, you have a hundred students, God yep. forbid, laid out in this yep. carnage yep. everywhere. Right. They would prefer that there was somebody there on site that was able to be a buffer yep. to give them time to get there because they have mm-hmm. to respond. That means there is time yep. and time in those situations is always well, of the time essence. Is and I've got to say, yeah. like every time I have uh, been approached by an officer and let them know that I am a concealed carry permit holder and I'm carrying 
it, they have been nothing but professional. Mm-hmm. And every time I get pulled over and I have to say yep. the same thing, I, I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm like, Hey, I got my hands, I got my hands there. And yeah. you know, and they're like, do you have, yes, I do. And okay, sir. You know, and that's, that's it. It's, right. it's all, it, it right. has become something that's not, you know, something blown out of the water. Right. But what about you, Antoine? I mean, you got some other stuff to say about schools, don't you? Talk to us. I mean, you you look like you're carrying a burden, brother. Let's let that burden down. Well, uh, I was looking, I was doing some research earlier and uh, was looking on a website, U.S. News, um, and looking at school reports, school report cards, and, and looking at Cumberland County. And uh, this is information that parents can pull up themselves. But I was I, I was looking at one of the schools here in Cumberland County, uh, Massey Hill uh, Classical yep. High, and I I was I was a little what's the word perturbed? Yeah. At what I what I found, mm. I'm using All big right. words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big words. Yeah. I, I was in the P section. That means upset, ladies and gentlemen. I was in the P section of the dictionary. Um, but their graduation rate for 2021, 99%. Okay, okay. Right? Well, that, that's good. That's an awesome yeah, thing. 99% yeah, of right. the students. Yeah. That means you know, we're graduating from smart people. Yeah, right. we yeah. pray for the 1%, but the 99 <laughs> yeah. is doing good. But then I went down a little bit and I looked at uh, what they consider college ready or college yeah. readiness. Now, I've been a college and career readiness coordinator in the past for another uh, city here uh, in North Carolina with their police uh, department. And... Um, when you talk about college readiness, you're not just talking about those who are prepared to go to college, but you're talking about those students who are prepared to enter either the college or the workforce yeah. once they cross that stage yep. And, yep. and obtain that diploma. They got the okay. education they got, they, to make they, a livelihood. They, yeah. But when you look at that, in Massey Hill, you have 27.6% of the 99% of the students that graduate only 27.6% of them are prepared for life after high school. Wait a minute. Wait. Say, say that again? Those numbers don't make sense. They don't make sense. So you got 99% graduation rate. Okay. Okay. But only 27.6% of the students that graduate Massey Hill High School are proficient enough to compete in the marketplace outside of the school. And they only have... So that's saying 70%. Yeah. Are, are not pro, 70% are not ready to step out into the marketplace, go to college, uh, you know, stay at a job, any, any of those things. Correct. Now, so how is proficiency measured? Well, when you look at it, they're looking at um, math. They're looking at um, uh, reading proficiency, math mm-hmm, proficiency. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was looking at Massey Hill's scorecard, and Massey Hill's scorecard says that uh, only 43% of the students in Massey Hill took at least one AP exam. At least wow. one. Yeah. And out of, out of that school, only 22% passed at least one AP exam. But they graduated 99%, 99%. of the students. Mm. These numbers to me <sighs> don't make sense. And then I was, I was looking at just the, the raw Cumberland County uh, data and what it was saying, and let me see if I can pull it up real quick because I was I was astonished that Cumberland County, um, when you look at college readiness, only nine point eight percent of students that leave Cumberland County schools is ready for life after school. Wow, nine point eight percent. Which is, I mean, and now you think of that as an entrepreneur or a boss, somebody who hires and fires, right? What that tells me is, I mean, because I have a basic assumption. If, I, if I'm if i receiving an application and an individual says, okay, I have a high school education, mm-hmm. my assumption is with that high school education, okay, you've got some base, basic functionary things. You can uh, at least, you know, add, subtract, right. maybe multiply. Um, you can read relatively decently with a measure of understanding. But what you're telling me, these kids, it don't mean that. Cumberland County Schools. Only 54% of students in Cumberland County schools are proficient in reading. Wow. And only 39% of Cumberland County school students are proficient in math. Is that at graduation? That is according to, uh, yeah, once they, once they leave school, yeah. that is their proficiency rate, which says to me that we are graduating students 
and and, and I, 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 anybody who knows me, I'm pretty straightforward, no gray area. We are graduating students that are academically inept to function outside of the schoolhouse. They don't have the proficiency and the skill sets to compete on the national and the global stage against their peers. So when they leave school, this is why we see, this is one of the reasons why we see, I believe, such a high crime rate Mm. is because once I leave school and I'm not proficient in these skill sets, I can't get adequate employment. If I can't get employment, I can't get a place to stay. If I can't get a place to stay, life begins to spiral out of control. I resort to the best you know the the next best thing yeah. so to speak um and so now i'm i'm kind of pushed into that life of crime or doing things yeah, whatever whatever you know yeah, and, yeah. And, and 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 i said this earlier on on my podcast i said we have to understand this talks about cumberland county schools mm-hmm. right so I can fuss at Cumberland County Schools all day and say the, the teachers are failing, the administrators are failing these students. But this right here tells me that not only are these students being let down in the classroom, yeah. but there's a disconnect at home. Yeah, absolutely. There is a absolutely. disconnect at home because for me as a parent, if you tell me that my child yeah. is not proficient in reading and not proficient in math, don't graduate my child. Yeah, no. My child teach will my hold child. over. Don't let them out until they get this. Teach done. my child, yeah. but then the parent also has to take on responsibility right. of teaching that child as well. Yeah. yeah. Here, because here. you the teacher only has that child for a certain amount of time in the yeah. day. And then that teacher has thirty one other kids in yeah. that classroom in some cases right. that they have to get up to speed. The problem that I have with the schools is a lot of times, uh, and Susan, you can you can correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of times the schools are pushing teachers to focus on test scores and not proficiency. When my daughter went into kindergarten, they told me do not teach her. um, Don't teach her how to sound things out. Just teach her the sight words. We don't care if she can sound them out just as long as she can identify them. I looked at the teacher and said, that's ludicrous to me. When I grew up, when teachers taught you to read, they said, hey, ah, eh, eh." they taught you how to. And how I taught my kids was words are a collection of sounds. Yep. When you put the sounds that match those letters together, you eventually come up with you right. will come out yep. with that word. Yep. But when the school says, no, we don't care about that. Just as long as they can look at it and say that word says that yeah. they don't have to know what it means, how it sounds they're or me- anything. They're memorizing. Yeah, they're just memorizing yeah. it to get through an exam at the end of the year or at the end of that quarter or session. And it's 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 disheartening to me and it's heartbreaking when I realize that so many kids due to COVID were passed through. Yeah. And many of these kids, had there been no COVID, they would not have graduated. Yeah. They wouldn't have graduated. But COVID gave an excuse and a reason to push these kids through. And we've pushed them out into a society and into a world that they are not academically ready. ready. You are so right. And I know we just had summer school in the county that I teach in. And one of my friends did teach. And um, she was absolutely astonished because she really didn't have a, quote, curriculum to teach because they had to cram it all into like four weeks. Mm. So she was doing a lot of life skills because these were supposed to be seniors. And she said, because she does teach some of the um, life skills in school, she said, you would be amazed at the number of students that did not know what a checkbook was. Mm -hmm. And she actually pulled it out and showed them. And she said, and then she was telling them, you know, how you have to sign it. She said, I forgot. They don't teach cursive writing. They, they don't, don't know even how to know sign. How to write. They don't even know how to sign. They don't know yeah. how to sign. So we are teaching things that probably are not important. At least a lot of things I feel are not. Yeah. And we're not teaching a lot of the life skills that students need to walk out well, into only, the world. Not yeah. only to write the check, but to balance the exactly. check. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, they checkbook. cannot yep. do that's, things like that. That's and a that's, math lesson yep. in itself. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And it's such a shame. I mean, they don't know how to find, you know, the, they don't know how to read a credit card statement. They don't know how to find mm-hmm. bills. And, and that's, that's, where, right. that's where poverty seeps in. Yeah. Exactly. Because poverty is poverty is not a, a group of people. Poverty is not a neighborhood. Poverty is a mindset yeah. and a lifestyle. Yep. And when you don't have the basic skill sets, right. Then, like you said, to balance a checkbook, to sign a check, to manage credit cards and, and, and manage your finances, you are a recipe for poverty Absolutely. because it's, it's all up here. And the problem is, we, you know, 
I don't even know if we hear those commercials anymore. When I was growing up, we had the commercials. A mind is a terrible, terrible thing, thing to waste. Right. Yeah. I don't yeah. hear those anymore. Yeah. It, now this, now it's it's control the way you think. Yep. And we got this, crit, this, as I said last week, this crazy racist theory, CRT, and all this other <laughs> stuff that we're pushing down. Right. That they're pushing down right. kids' throat. But the stuff that these kids really need. And here's the thing. This is why I believe critical race theory is such a disservice to our youth. Because it, what it says to them is it's okay to be illiterate. Yeah. Yeah. Accept it because if they try to force you to learn at a higher level, they are racist. Right. Yeah. That is sad to me because these same students will walk into a business. They'll walk into somebody's business for a job. And when they get rejected, they'll bring their friends back and torch the place and protest because now you're racist because you didn't hire me. I didn't hire you because of the color of your skin. I hired, I didn't hire you because you do not have the proficiency to work in this environment. And I am a business owner. And if I hire you, you represent my business. And I can't do that because you, you, Look at cashiers now. Yeah. Right. It used to be a time where the cashier had to know basic math. Yeah. Now no you more. just yep. push the button and the machine does it for you. Yep. And if that machine breaks, God forbid, <laughs> you will be standing in line for two hours yeah. until they get another Been one. Done, right. yeah. Because yeah. the cashiers many times can't calculate the stuff. Right. And I love what, I love because you're thinking far. You're thinking broader. It's This isn't just about test scores. Mm-hmm. This is about the, the byproduct of those test scores. Absolutely. This right. is about what takes place, what those test scores represent. And then you go ahead and passing those children what that represents is a boss hiring or not hiring an individual who's not proficient and yeah. what that what that leads to and i mean this thing literally is not just a one or two step but literally it spirals because what and takes then place as minimum wage goes up yep. right right and you've got to term some of those employees that are not yep. as proficient yep. guess who's going to be the first ones to get cut yeah. Yep. Yep. because if yep. you think for one second that an employer is just going to pay the average Joe off the street $15 an hour yep. because the government says that's now minimum wage yep. let me help those of you who are listening <laughs> understand something what is going to happen if minimum wage is mandated at $15 yep. an hour employers will pay the $15 yep. but they will only pay it to those who are proficient and, yep. and right. who function at a $15 an hour level yeah, so everybody right. else will be out of a job so and that's where i want to go with it because that that's the next step and those individuals then are unemployment mm-hmm. welfare that they, you, you you force them into what what i'll refer to as that 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 poverty mentality and it's and a cycle just re- remaining there yeah, yeah. remaining yeah. There. It's, it's a it's a it's a crazy cycle and and what frustrates me is I, i've talked to city leaders locally and lately about certain things that are going on in the city. And the first thing they say, oh, that's the county. No, 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 no. Here's my thing. Most of the schools in Cumberland County have a Fayetteville address on them. Yes. And most of the students that attend have a Fayetteville that's address. Right. So that is not a county issue. That is a city issue yep. because those same students that leave Cumberland County schools yep. will function in Fayetteville. Yep. It's not a county thing. It's an us thing. Yeah. It, yep. it is It is an us thing. This is why I thought it was so, it, it was just so awesome. I know it was a horrible circumstance, but it was awesome that kids were pulled out of the classroom last year and went virtual Mm -hmm. because that gave parents like me who's very involved a bird's eye view into that classroom in real time i could hear and assess and if i had to interject in something i could do it in real time and say oh wait a minute this is a science class why are you teaching my kids social studies yeah you know and so last year parents it was such a great opportunity to get in to hear and see it was a great opportunity but you had parents who didn't yeah exactly right. yeah. you know unfortunately, <clears throat> unfortunately. And, and the teacher, children suffered right as a teacher i saw that because i would have kids that didn't do anything excuse me until the last week of school and want yeah. to know how can i pass yeah. well yeah. let's just go ahead and discuss <laughs> it's a that a little late to be <laughs> talking it's about not that. Happening. you can next year <laughs> yes yeah i hope you like me because you'll be back so you know <laughs> and if not i'm so sorry but you know it takes all of us working together and you brought up something that i also want to say as far as with critical race theory the only way to keep that in control is going to be through our school board Mm -hmm. and we have to get more conservatives elected to school boards and that's going to be a big push that i'm going to say every time and that means we have to get get more parents involved in the process of selecting and electing those conservative members of the school board right yep
Absolutely. We, Listen, great discussion yeah. today on the on the cabinet. I uh, would like to thank, uh, in fact, all three of you are regular cabinet members. It's nice. Yeah. It's like you know, having, like a family, family having a family at the dinner table. With the burgers table and here. the hot dogs. Yes. Exactly. Miss Susan Mills. Thank you pa- very much. Pastor Josh Goodman. All right, all right. And Jay Antoine Minor. Yeah, yeah. Hey, so listen, thanks for joining us today. And uh, special thanks to Paul Valone of Grassroots North Carolina. You can look Paul up again at grnc.org. And uh, hey, do us a favor while you're out this week. Go buy one of our commercial sponsors and let them know that you heard their message on the Carolina Cabinet. And while you're out, Goofing off, doing whatever you're doing, check us out on your favorite social media outlet. We are at the Carolina Cabinet. So until next time, we certainly appreciate you joining us and uh, hope you'll be back. Have a great week. Mama Pajama rolled out of bed and she ran to the police station. When the papa found out, he began to shout and he started the investigation. It's against the law. It was against the law. Oh, what the mama saw. It was against the law. And the mama looked down and spit on the ground every time my name gets mentioned. The papa said, oh, if I get that boy, I'm going to stick him in the house of detention. Well, I'm on my way. I don't know where I'm going, I'm on my way I'm taking my time, but I don't know where Goodbye to Rose, the queen of Corona See me and Julio down by the schoolyard See me and Julio down by the schoolyard